All right, we'll jump right into it. Um, we're going to start with college football because I have a lot of shit to say. I'm sure you have a lot of shit to say. There's a lot yeah. going on. It's pretty messed up. It's really annoying. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll jump on into it. Uh, so, I guess, first of all, let's start with last week, the Big Ten commissioner puts out a new schedule. Then on Thursday, he said he's fine with the son playing and then spends a weekend trying to, to convince all of the other commissioners to cancel. And then today, cancels. How do you feel about that? I don't know. I feel like a lot of Big Ten teams are going to get really angry. So we can see how that plays out, I guess. I don't know who or what is going to cause a rift, but I mean – I know a bunch of people at Ohio State are talking about how bad they want to play. And I could honestly see them being like, you know what, this isn't going to happen. And like trying to get into a different conference that is going to play. Yeah, I've already seen where Justin Fields tweeted SMH. And Barcelona UGA responded with a picture of him in Georgia gear. <laughs> like, hey, uh, uh, you, you can come back like if you want to and stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Ryan Day says that if the Big Ten cancels, this was as of yesterday, he said if the Big Ten cancels, Ohio State will consider playing in another conference. Scott Frost said the same thing for Nebraska. So. Who cares about Nebraska? Yeah, I don't, like, go back to the Big 12. Who gives a shit? Um, but, yeah, if, if Ohio State was to join really any other conference, it automatic, automatically makes it more interesting. And I think saw a thing on Twitter today saying that if Ohio State was to join the SEC, they would automatically be 10-point favorites over every team in the conference, which I don't believe. But I do think they could most definitely be extremely competitive in the SEC because they are a top-five team. There's no doubt about that. Um, So that would be very interesting to watch. What I've already decided – is if we even have a season, which thanks to the terrible leadership of Mark and Emery in the NCAA and basically every other commissioner outside of Greg Sankey is very up in the air. Um, if we even have a season, it's going to be weird. It's going to make absolutely no sense. But as long as we have a season, I'm happy. But I'm still really, really pissed right now because of all this. Um, so I want to get into a quote by Greg Sankey. Um, this was something he tweeted yesterday and he said, the best advice I've received since COVID-19, be patient, take time when you're making decisions. This is all new and you'll gain better information each day. The SEC has been deliberate at each step since March, slowed to return to practice, delayed first game to respect the start of fall semester, Develop testing protocols. We know concerns remain. We have never had a football season in a COVID-19 environment. Can we play? I don't know. We haven't stopped trying. We support, educate, and care for student-athletes every day and will continue to do so every day. I, I feel that, Greg Sankey. We don't know what we're dealing with. And I understand that there's concerns, and I understand that there's problems. But to just walk in and just decide that there is absolutely no way that we can have a college football season is absolutely pathetic. And there is no thought process behind that. Take your time and make a decision. 
Delay the start of the season if you have to. You don't have to start it on September 26th. It can be pushed back if you're not confident, but it's just absolutely ridiculous to make these snap-of-a-finger judgments that have no thought process and no facts behind it. It's just assumptions that we can't have a football season, and that's simply not true. And it's really pissing me off. Yeah, I mean, part of me, I don't know. I feel like that, especially with majority of those people, they're just really horrified to get backlash about it. Well, but to me, I agree with that. But to me, like, almost every single player at this point has either come out and said, I want to play, or has opted out. And either way, I understand it. If you don't want to play, that's fine. I've said that a thousand times over, especially with collegiate athletes that are not getting paid. It makes even more sense to opt out. I don't blame a single person that opts out of any season of any league. But if you want to play, and you can play, then do it. Then give me one reason why they can't play. You can't. I mean, yeah, it's, it's all up to them at the end of the day. Like, if the athletes want to play, then field the teams. If they don't want to play, then don't field them. Like, it's that simple. I think there's so much bullshit behind it, behind all of this, and I'll get into it. But first, um, did you see that John Hart – or no, sorry, Jim Harbaugh released a letter yesterday basically stating all of the facts as to why there should be a season? No, I didn't see that, but that's pretty funny. It yeah, sounds I'm like a, a- – I'm a Jim Harbaugh guy now, but uh, he he said it was a pretty long letter. I'm not going to read all of it, but I will certainly read some of it. Um, the bullet points were the Michigan football program has had 11 positive tests out of 893 administered, including three upon initial return to campus. We have had two positive tests out of the last 417 administered. We've had zero positive tests out of the last 353 administered. There have been no zero there have been zero positive tests among the coaches or staff over the entire eight weeks of testing. There's been no contract tracing to our fields, weight room, locker room, or facility. We have had no we have had zero pauses in our training. We have complied with all CDC guidelines and self implemented stricter standards for contact tracing and quarantine to prevent spread. We have followed all health and safety guidelines and welcome and encourage any health department, university administrators, or other sports programs to visit and see how we practice and execute these protocols. As Daryl Conway, our chief medical officer and a member of the Big Ten's medical advisory group, has stated, I wish that others could see this model. This isn't easy. This isn't hard. Or this is hard. Sorry. I can't read today for some reason which is a bad episode because there's some reading to do. Um, But let's see. He goes on and he finishes off with, in quoting President Theodore Roosevelt, we do this so that our place will not be among the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Hashtag we want to play. Hashtag we want to coach. See, now I understand, first of all, not every university is the same. Not every university yeah. has the the resources and the ability that a place like Michigan or Georgia or Alabama or whatever has to make sure these things are squared away, I guess, which is why 
I understand some of the smaller conferences backing out. I understand that. It's not there, – there's a lot of time and money and resources that has to be put into having a season this year. And that's something that the Mountain West, for example, probably doesn't have. And I understand that. But when we're talking about Power Five where there's hundreds of millions of dollars literally laying around these football programs every year, yeah. I don't want to hear it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, like, they could definitely get this under control and they could all field seasons, especially Power Five. Like, there's no reason, around more reason they can't. Yeah. Um, Yesterday, Trump also tweeted in favor of the We Want to Play movement. Uh, As I've said in the past, this is not a political podcast. This will never be a political podcast, but thank you. Uh, Let's see. Joe Burrow also came out and said yesterday that if the season would have been canceled last year, he'd be looking for a job right now, which I – That's true. That's very true when you think about it. At best, he probably would have been a fourth or a fifth-round draft pick who probably would have gotten the axe by now. Oh, 100%. Um, The Sun Belt and Conference USA are planning on playing this year. They're going to follow the SEC model for that. Conference USA is going against league member Old Dominion and UConn, who have both canceled their seasons. Again, that's also another good thing to do. I don't necessarily think that it has to be up to the conferences. I think it can be up to uni- to individual universities to make their own decisions as well. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not just leave it up to individual team? I mean, individual schools? Because, like, obviously probably, you know, UCLA, UCLA may, may feel differently than USC. I mean, it's all their choice, I feel like. Yeah, and I have a lot to say about the Pac-12 here in a minute. But uh, USC, speaking of them, they do not have clearance from L.A. County to have students on campus this fall. So they will begin the the semester fully remote. This was an interesting point until the Pac-12 inevitably um, delayed their season today, which um, to that I say, honestly, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit about the Pac-12? I'm glad yeah. that we don't have to go cover them anymore now. I hate yeah, that They're so dumb. Everything they did just doesn't really matter. It's so stupid. The only thing I care about in the Pac-12 is USC because I think they're one of the teams that should be good. But sucks to suck. Get out of the Pac-12. Um, the Mountain West canceled, as I said. Uh, did you see the hot water that Mike Bobo is currently in? No, but I hate Bobo, so I'd love to hear it. Well, there was a report that came out late last week um, talking about how there has been some some bullying from the coaches in the past at Colorado State and plenty of racial slurs that were used, and Mike Bobo was kind of at the head of this. But before you take a victory lap, your boy Mark Rick did defend him on Twitter and was saying that he, in the years and years and years that Bobo coached under him, no player or parent or fellow coach ever made a complaint about Bobo. And I think that's probably true. I don't think Mark Rick's ever going to lie about anything. And he didn't have yeah, to say a word there. 
But you're also talking about stuff that happened years ago. Like, things have, a lot of things have changed in the past, you know, past couple months. I mean, he could have easily said something that, that long ago and nobody just reported it because they felt like the, it wouldn't be meaningless and they would just get in trouble by the coaches. Yeah, that is true. Um, it's still an interesting situation, especially considering now he's back in the SEC and he's got kind of a redemption job as the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. Um, that could definitely bring him some opportunities in the future. So it would be a yeah. shame to see. And I, like, I don't like Bobo as a coach, but it doesn't go personal for me. And I would truly hate to see something stop his career because I do think he is a good person. And if Mark Rick vouches for him. They probably is. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Um, so – to his little brother was, of course, granted immediate eligibility at Maryland because, you know, the NCAA is just a flaming pile of horse shit. When it comes to that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like everybody gets waivers now. Please explain to me how, let's see, basically the only way you can get a waiver now is from the, quote, hardship waiver. Please explain to me how to his little brother had any hardship at Alabama. He didn't. Mm-hmm. So... Now that we've got that out of the way, God, I'm so pissed at the NCAA. Will he be the starter? Because their quarterback, Josh Josh Jackson, opted out of the season yesterday. I don't know anything about Maryland's depth chart, but I mean, I'm guessing probably. he's talented. I mean, what else do they have? Probably nobody, but I, I honestly fair. don't know anything about Tua's little brother other than the fact that he's Tua's little brother. I mean, I saw him play a couple games, and he wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. Like, it wasn't anything to write home about. That Maryland offense is just so exciting, though, so. Yeah, we'll see what happens. God, I mean, they were they were hanging, like, 70 on everybody to start the year last year. Like, when they turned to Maryland. Yeah. Uh, that's normally something that happens to them. But they did. Remember when they hang, hung, like, 70 on Howard because yeah. it was Howard? And everybody was like, oh, my God, they hung 70 on Howard? Oh, Howard. And I was sitting there like, who the hell is Howard? Is Howard yeah, like, a human? I think most people would hang – I think most schools would hang 70 on Howard. I, I guess Never. looking back on it, the impressive part was that it was 70 to nothing, and that's pretty hard. Yeah, they can be. That's, that's a dick smacking. Uh, let's see. I have a screenshot of the USA Today coaches poll. You are absolutely going to have a field day with this. You ready to get mad now? Because I can tell you're not mad yet. You ready to get mad? Yeah. (coughs) Number one, Clemson. Whatever. Number two, Ohio State. Whatever. Number three, Bama. I, I agree with that. Number four, Georgia. I agree with that. Number five, LSU. Please tell me why. Yeah, that's that's illogical. Like, I mean, how are they gonna comp- how are they gonna compete this year? I mean, they have nobody. Who the fuck is their quarterback? No, we don't know. Yeah. Um. Let's see. And quite a few of their players left for the draft, and quite a few of their players have opted out too. So, and let's see, they also lost both coordinators, who were basically the reason why they won the national championship last year, outside of Joe Burrow. So, moving on from that, I don't want to talk too much shit about LSU because that'll definitely come back to bite me at some point. Number six, Oklahoma. I bet you love that, don't you? I don't. 
I hate number, number seven, Penn State. I very much so agree with yeah. that. That's, that's perfect. Um, number eight, I guess I agree with this, Florida. About right. I guess. Number nine. I mean, yeah, but honestly. Well. Number nine, um, not that it matters anymore, but Oregon. I agreed with that. Number 10, Notre Dame. I don't agree. Didn't they lose their quarterback? Yeah. What was his name again? Was it Ian Book? Or was that from a long time ago? Honestly, them not having uh, names in the back of their jerseys has always just ruined me. Yeah, it's like the Yankees. Who gives a shit? Like, we're Notre Dame. We don't put names on the back of the jerseys. We're special. Fuck off. Um, Number 11, Auburn. Uh, if oh, is Bo Nix gonna lead you to a little national championship with his fifty-four percent completion percentage? Ooh, Bo Nix. God, fucking never is. Number twelve. I think I agree with this, but again, not that it matters anymore. Wisconsin. Number thirteen. I think this is pretty high. Texas A and M. I don't like them there. <laughs> I don't. I don't like them. Is Kellen Mond yeah. still there? Yes. Yeah, he is. God, it feels like he's been there since like 1992. Yeah. Uh, number 14. You know, I don't have a damn problem with this, and let me tell you why. I, I love this right here. As a matter of fact, I think they ought to be a lot higher. I think that's the University of Texas. Fuck them. <laughs> Number fifteen, not that it matters anymore. Michigan. No, it's not. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But they're, they're not good. Even if Michigan is ranked that high, doesn't matter because they're just going to lose immediately. So that's all I expect from them. Actually, that's actually not that bad compared to where norm, where Michigan normally is in a preseason poll. Yeah, they're normally like in the top ten, and then they would just lose the first three games, and then they just go unranked. Yeah, every time. Number sixteen. This is a pretty underrated team. I think they should probably be higher. Oklahoma State. I think this is going to be a really good year for them. They probably will be. I mean, I don't know. They still have to beat Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm going to take Oklahoma State in that one. Uh, well, you know, assuming the Big 12 plays, assuming we have a college football season, this could all be fucking pointless. Who knows? Uh, 17, doesn't matter anymore. USC, that's probably about right. Uh, number 18, very, very, very low at number 18, Minnesota. That is way too low. I mean, yeah, yeah, they had a great season last year, and they're like, all right, these guys can't do that again, for sure. Number 12. 19, this one right here, I think this is the one that really triggered me the most because this just doesn't make any sense. North Carolina. Why are uh, they that low? They're, oh, why they're that low? Yes. Yeah. They should definitely be higher. Like, that's that's a top 10 football team. Oh, 100%. If they're anything like they were last year, which they should be, because their quarterback was a freshman and they didn't lose, like, anybody. <laughs> and they got yeah. some studs in recruiting. So yeah, they did a really good job recruiting. I think, honestly, you could probably swap them with uh, LSU, really. I think you could – well, I don't want 
I don't want UNC to be at five, but I'm saying they could take their spot in the top ten. Uh, yeah, move everybody up, put them at ten. Number twenty. Ooh, here we go. It doesn't matter anymore, but this is a fun one. You ready? Yeah. Utah. No. They had one good season last year. That's how the NCAA works. Though. They're like, oh, this team have one good season? Sick. Time to rank them top four for the next six seasons. But the thing is, this happens with Utah every single year since Urban Meyer left. They're just like, is this their year? And it's like, no, it's never been their year. Never. <laughs> never. They suck. They always have. Mm, I hate Utah. I hate everything about the whole state. 21. UCF. 21. No. I, I thought we were over that. Yeah, apparently not. Apparently the coaches are just like, I mean, yeah, they might make a comeback. They might win another one this year. Like, mm. Well, they're not going to be – they're definitely not playing. There's no doubt UCF is not playing. So I guess we won't have to hear that bullshit this year. Number 22. This this is another little, um, I guess, kind of an underrated team in my book because of who their coach is. Cincinnati. Yeah. Luke Fickle's a very, very good head coach. Um, yeah, I don't know. We can see what happens with them. I mean, it is also Cincinnati. Like, they got to play Pitt like six times. So maybe they'll, they don't lose to Pitt the six times they play and they, may, they may, may have a chance. Hey, here's a proposal. Why don't we swap out? I think, I personally think Cincinnati should be in the Big Ten. Why don't we swap out Northwestern and Cincinnati? Swap out a team that's never, ever, 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 ever been relevant for a team that has been semi-relevant at times. That sounds like a good trade. I haven't, like, thought about Northwestern since, like, 2015. Northwestern catches so many ricochet shots from me, it's ridiculous. Because they're not good. Yeah, I'm not a big Northwestern guy. But number 23, Iowa. I mean, it's probably about right. There are they always, they always have a nice little eight and four season every year. Then they, then they beat somebody big. They'll beat like Ohio State by like forty, and then lose the next week to like Northwestern. Tulane. Yeah. Twenty four Virginia Tech. Yeah. yeah I mean, whatever. Uh, Twenty five. This was stupid low. Iowa State. I mean. Yeah, I don't really understand how Appalachian State is in wreck, honestly. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. I don't know. There's like, there's so much shit going on. But uh, okay, so here's where I'm going to get to the mud on college football right here, right now, because I think there's some very, very muddy water with what's going on right now. I think that the NCAA, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten are scared. And I think they're using the virus as an excuse. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not me taking the time to say that the virus is not real. I'm not, not getting on that train. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is what just happened in the PAC 12 last week? What did we just talk about last week in the PAC 12? Oh yeah. About the, uh, it was the uh, Players Tribune article, where the yeah 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 where the Washington State got really upset, try to try to kick their players out, and then everybody was like, "You can't do that," and they were like, "Oh, okay, sorry," and they didn't do it. Yeah, 
So, what I think is happening is they're saying to themselves, wow, our players for the first time ever are making a stand. They're basically forming their own unofficial union. And they're ganging up on all these schools because the players are now realizing that if they say they're not going to play, these schools don't make money. Yeah, it makes them suffer. And that's – I think – this what happened in the Pac-12 last week is a ricochet shot to what's happening this week. And I think it's a response of saying like, oh, well, look who's really in control. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I don't really know much about the Pac-12, but I could definitely see them doing something like that because honestly, the Pac-12 probably nets the least amount of money to, compared to every other conference, every other Power 5 conference that is. I mean, in... In all reality, like, who really gives a shit about the Pac-12? Yeah. If we're being completely honest, completely, this is me being real honest. I'm, this is honesty, Tom. This is an honesty podcast. There's not going to be a whole lot of – this. Is, there's going to be no jokes in this segment. In this episode, yes, later on after I cool, like, cool down a little bit. But right now I'm pissed, and I got a lot of shit to say. But – this could be me putting my tinfoil hat on overall. But anyway, I would rather see Conference USA as a Power 5 team over the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 has been a joke outside of Oregon for a long, long, long time. And when I, was the last time a team besides Oregon was relevant? Exactly. And every, every freaking year, they try to make USC relevant. They try to make Stanford relevant. They keep calling David Shaw the greatest college football coach of all time. It's not true. It's all fake. They lose. They don't even lose to, like, real teams outside of their conference. They lose to, like, Oregon State in their conference, who is the worst team in their conference. They all lose to Oregon State every year. Yeah, at least once. Like, it's so ridiculous. I I hate the Pac-12 outside of USC. I kind of – for whatever reason, ever since I was a kid, I kind of I don't like USC, but I don't hate them. I just kind of dig them. Just, I just don't like them. They're so cocky. They like they think they're so much better than everybody else. And it's like, oh, you think you're better than everybody else because you're like, for what reason? Like, what are you gonna do? Go eight and four again? Pete, Whoa! Pete Carroll had a hell of a run there. Ain't that no more though? Here's a thought: What if Pete Carroll never left USC? I mean, they'd probably still be relevant. <laughs> Hey, do you think they would be on Alabama's level by now, like dynasty-wise? No. I bet you they'd have a uh... – They would have won a few natties, but I, I still don't think that – I mean, it just depends on the recruiting. Like, if they could have got the recruits, then yeah. But if they were recruiting the same level they are right now, no, there's no way in hell. I think what you would have seen happen – I don't think you ever would have saw the rise of Clemson. I think it just would have been Alabama – would be the ruler of the South. Ohio State would be the ruler of the North slash Midwest. And USC would be the ruler of the West Coast. And it would basically be those three teams duking it out every year, just like it's Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama duking it out every year now. And it's basically a race for fourth every year. Yeah, but the thing about that, though, is you got to think there's, like, nobody to compete with in the big, in the Pac-12. Like, if they were really good, like, who are they going to beat? Like, if they could just – it's would be – It'd be like Clemson, essentially, like where it's just like, oh, wow, you beat Wake Forest by 40? Whoa. <laughs> like, you lose one game and you're out. 
Yeah, but chain reaction, if all these recruits start going to um, USC, then eventually USC would get so stacked that a lot of the West Coast studs would start staying on the West Coast, but they would go to places like UCLA and Stanford and Oregon. Probably. That's true. Allegedly. Maybe. I don't know. It's all very hypothetical and it'll never happen. But, um, yeah, so back to what I was saying. I think this is me putting my tenfold hat on. I don't think it's clear cut that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 made the decisions that they made today. I, I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can now. All right, let me walk back to where I was. Damn it. Is that good? Yeah, it is. So this is me putting on my tinfoil hat again, but I just don't think it's clear cut that what happened today with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 has everything to do with the virus. I think it's a lot to do with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and the NCAA struggling and making a desperate attempt to, um, to to regain control over the players because they think they're losing it, and they are losing it they in are. those two conferences. They, they have completely lost control. It's become a spiraling shit show. And let me go ahead and tell you this. If Ohio State chooses to lead the Big Ten for this season, it's going to get so much worse. They may have just created a shitstorm that they can never stop. Yeah, because I mean, if the Big Ten loses Ohio State, that's that's a huge blow. Which I think the I think Ohio State would definitely go back to the Big Ten after all of this is over. But what happens is not only if you lost control to the players, now you've lost control to the whole universities too. Because now it's just like, well, if the if a university just up and leaves their conference for a season. And, at this point, if if they don't like anything from this point forward, they can just be like, oh, we're gone. Remember what we yeah. did in 2020? We're going to do it again, and you can't do anything to stop it. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's something, but here's a question I have for you, <clears throat> and this is a serious question. Do you think with the current landscape of college football – everything that's happening right now and everything that you see happening in professional sports leagues like the NBA, the NFL, and even the MLB, do you think college football will soon also become a political thing? Oh, 100%. I do too, and I hate to say it because the NFL and the NBA and the MLB, well, really just the NFL and the NBA, have always been mildly political. They're very political now, but – one thing that you can have always been able to say about college football is that it's pure and it represents the best of each sport. Like yeah. college sports represents the best because it's all players that are working their ass off to get to whatever the next level is. And it's always been so pure, but now and I'm not blaming this on the players. I'm not blaming this on the coaches. I'm not blaming this. Well, I am kind of blaming this on the universities, but I'm mainly putting the blame at the feet of Mark Emery and the NCAA because the terrible mismanagement of their multi-billion dollar 
non-for-profit organization called the NCAA has got us to the point where we're at now where players are essentially saying that they're not going to play unless they're getting paid and never should have gotten to that point. It never should have gotten to the point that it's at right now where teams are threatening to leave their conferences because nobody can come together as a unit. Yeah. And it's just – it's scary, man, because I would, I would hate to lose college football like we've kind of lost all these other sports. And, again, I'm not against being political. You use your platform for whatever you want, but understand the consequences that come with that. And it would be a shame if that happens to college football. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's like everybody now is asking – I mean, a lot of guys are asking for money especially. But I don't know. People are also – I feel like there's a lot of players too who – Just want to play. Yeah, there's a lot of players who want to play, but there's, I think there's also a lot of players who don't want to play. Yeah, that's true. Um, so here's another hypothetical question to finish oh, the off Pac- the – The Pac-12 canceled this season. Huh? The Pac-12 officially canceled it. Are they canceled or delayed? No, it's canceled. It's fall football season. So, I mean, it could come back in the spring, but it's it's done. Okay. Well, I have two hypothetical questions for you to finish off this college football segment. Number one, all these teams, including the Big Ten, maybe Nebraska, some of these other teams that are threatening to leave their conference come to the SEC, and maybe we're looking all of a sudden looking at like 20 teams playing in the SEC or something like that. I personally don't see how you could say you could have the normal SEC championship as in the best two teams from each division meet each other to decide who the champion is. Don't you think they'd have to have like a playoff or something? I mean, yeah, there's definitely going to need to be a playoff if you put all those teams in there. I mean, there's no way you could get by without it. Because, I mean, it wouldn't be fair if there wasn't. Also, if Ohio State plays in the SEC this season, what division do they play in? I don't know. I guess you could throw them in the West or the East. I actually, the East would probably make more sense. But if they want to throw them in the West, I ain't, I ain't going to complain. I don't want to play them. Yeah, I know. I'm exactly. all set. <laughs> I'm all set. And if they come to the East, we got to play them. And I don't, I don't like that too much because it would probably yeah. be on the road. I don't want that. Oh, it must definitely be on the road. So. Here's another question. I saw this on Twitter earlier by a mutual friend of ours. Um, so if college football is played in the spring, any any form of college football, whether it be, I guess, now just the Big Ten, if they play in the spring, which at this point would make no sense, but if they do, Is college football just a spring sport for them now? Because how can you ask them to take a couple months off and then return to summer practice and then go into a fall football season? They'd have to skip something. There's no way they could just come straight back like that. No, because all the time that they get to take off, they have to have that. Yeah, I know. Like, their bodies are pretty beaten up. They need that time. Yeah, 100%. I thought that was a very valid question, but – do you have anything else for college football before we move on? Yeah. Uh, I hate Mike Bubba, and I love Mark Gregg. 
Okay. <laughs> I guess let's jump into the NFL now. Um, so are you familiar with the Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker situation? No. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. I know the DeAndre Baker situation, but I did not know the Quentin Dunbar. Well, he was allegedly involved in it, but he's been cleared of it now. But he is cleared to join the Seahawks, and DeAndre Baker is facing four counts of robbery with a firearm. And it has been alleged that he was caught trying to pay off victims, which, you know, is probably another decent little felony in itself, even though he's already facing four. He was facing eight, so I guess he's in a little bit better shape now. But what an idiot. What an idiot. He had everything in front of him, and he literally robbed it away. Yeah, what do you expect? It's uh, is he, He's an ex-Georgia player. That's like the rule. Yeah, I, I was so disappointed in him because it seemed like he was – while he's at Georgia, he seemed like a good kid. He's a good ball player. That too. Um, that was very disappointing, but – uh, more bad news. The Washington football team cut Darius Geis after he was arrested on domestic violence charges. This really disappointed me. That really, really, really disappointed me because you remember the trouble he had getting out of LSU and getting into the draft. There was a bunch of people, like a bunch of scouts were trying to hurt his uh, his draft stock or whatever by saying that he was he had a bunch of character flaws. Yeah, I remember that. And I think he fell to the second or the third round. And then, you know, he tore his ACL two consecutive years and never really got to see the field. And it was he was finally looking like he was going to be healthy. And then he, he screws up. And what he did, I don't – I didn't read into what he did. I don't care. If he was arrested on it, it was obviously serious enough to – there had to be some kind of proof to arrest him on that. Yeah. So – We'll be seeing you. Yeah. Speaking of bad characters, the Washington football team also reinstated Reuben Foster. So, you know, I mean, you lose one and you gain one. Literally a dude that was arrested for the exact same thing. <laughs> That's the rules. <laughs> they cut Darius Geist because he was arrested for domestic violence charges. And in the same span of a week... They reinstated Reuben Foster, who was also suspended for being arrested for domestic violence charges. Maybe they'll pick up Ray Rice next. Hell, bring Ray Lewis out of retirement. Let's just get everybody. Hell, bring Mike Vick back. I hear Mike Vick's free. <laughs> yeah, he is pretty free. Yeah, he wasn't for a couple of years, though. Remember? Uh, I do. <laughs> so this was kind of, this was. So this was the most messed up thing I saw in sports all week. This was terrible. You know how some athletes have been getting discovering heart conditions from COVID nineteen. Yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox, and now Cameron Smith, <clears throat> the linebacker from the Vikings. He discovered that he had a heart condition from COVID nineteen, and he has to undergo open heart surgery. And the Vikings released him on Monday after learning that. So here's this dude who's 23 years old, gets COVID-19, gets a heart condition, none of this which he can control. Apparently he was born with it, actually. Whatever it is. Yeah. 
And then the Vikings are like, oh, you got a heart condition? You gonna you gonna have open hearts? Oh, get off the insurance. You're cut. Clean out your locker. Get out of here. Kill yourself. Like, I don't like the Vikings at all now. because uh, that's just retarded. Lamar Miller signed with the Patriots. I didn't know Lamar Miller still played football, but I'm sure he's gonna lead the league in rushing this year. <laughs> I mean I don't know, maybe. I mean, it's Bill Belichick, so, you know, he always has, like, six running backs that are fully prepared to rush for, like, 2,000 yards at all times. And I literally had no idea Lamar. I have not thought about Lamar Miller in two years. And apparently he's coming off back-to-back ACL tears. But it doesn't matter because he plays for the Patriots now. When you play for the Patriots, you're untouchable. You can't get hurt. You can't get cut unless you mess up. And... um you're legally required to go to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Patriots do have that effect on people where they just automatically get back to their prime, become the best ever. Yeah. Um, here's a bright spot. A couple bright spots, actually. If college football, well, now that we know it, it's at the very least going to be at a reduced pace from what it normally is, that would most likely mean that the NFL would be on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Thursday, which yeah, would, would be, be incredible. Whew, man, that means we're going to be able to watch like all the games, all the games without NFL season tickets. So you know what? If you spent all the little money for your little NFL season ticket, and you're like, ooh, look at me. I have NFL season ticket. Joke's on you. You didn't have to pay for it. And nobody cares about your stupid little NFL season ticket anymore. So shut the hell up and get out of my face. Oh, apparently, I just saw this. The Pac-12 has shut down all sports for the remainder of the year, like football and basketball. What a bunch of bitches. God, I hate the I hate the Pac-12 a little bit more by every minute that this podcast goes by. I hate the Pac-12 so much right now. Here's another bright spot. If college football does get canceled or reduced to a very, very small amount of college football, it has already been said by ESPN that Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler would be the two guys for Monday Night Football, which would be, oh, my God, that would be fantastic. I would love that. Yeah, that would be. Like, I'm not. I Herbstreit. Yeah, I'm not, like, I don't know. I have such an up-and-down relationship with with Herb Street because one minute I love him, one minute I hate him. It's the same thing with me and Stephen A. Smith. But I do love him in the booth. He and Chris like those two together, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herb Street are just outstanding and I I would really, really love to see what they could do with the NFL. Yeah, I know. That'd be incredible. Uh let's see. So I said one positive thing about Trump earlier, and now I'm going to talk some shit about him. So if you don't like that, skip ahead the next minute. Trump says he would rather the NFL not play if the players are going to kneel. Hey, guess what, Trump? It looks like college football may be taken away from me. Don't take the NFL away from me. If I can't have one, I must have the other. And if I can't have neither, I go back to the state of mind that I was in back in March when we didn't have sports at all, and that was not healthy for myself or the world. So don't take that away from me. I don't care about your political stances. Stay out of sports unless you want to say something positive like you think we should have college football and then I'm all on board. Yeah, and, no, he's 
it's just ridiculous. Like they're gonna kneel to just chill out about it. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, like um that's the most political this podcast will ever ever get, and that is a promise. <laughs> that is a promise. This is sad. Deion Sanders is leaving the NFL network. His contract's apparently up, so he was just like, I right, I'm gonna head out. Yeah, that is kinda sad. Dion was a good guy. I I liked Whenever he would commentate and talk about stuff and him and Tony Romo's beef. But do you know what this means? What? He said, I think two weeks ago, on part of my take, they asked him if he was serious about being a college football coach. And he said, I didn't just say I was going to be or I wanted to be a college football coach. I said I was going to be a college football coach, and I can confirm that I will be a head coach of a college football team in 2021. So he's literally just doing what he said he was going to do, and I am so here for head coach Deion Sanders. Yeah, that would be incredible. Like, Jesus. And I really wanted it to be at Florida State, and unless Mike Norvell turns out to be the biggest dickhead known to man, which I will say, before he's even taken the field on with a practice or a game with his players, he's already lost the trust of his players. So, I mean, Dion still has a shot. <laughs> he's still got a shot. And I hope that happens. I mean, Dion with Florida State would be electric. That would be so great. Um, let's see. Let's jump right on into the Major League Baseball. Please tell me you saw the little tussle between the Oakland Athletics and the Houston Trastros on Sunday. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. So you saw what a lot of people didn't want to come out and say, but you saw how Ramon Laureano. You know, you saw, you saw how it started, right? Yeah. Ramon Laureano was hit by a pitch. Walked to first base, and then it went from there, which I'll explain in a second. But what people don't really realize is before that, he had already been intentionally hit one time in that game, which is ridiculous. He got intentionally hit in two straight at-bats on the first pitch of the at-bat. So, yeah, if I'm him, I'm a little steamed up too because that's the last team that you want to be getting intentionally bopped by is the Houston Trastros. Like, no, 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 no. No. This is the Trastros' time to – take their medicine, to shut up and take their medicine, take their lumps, and move on. They don't get the right to throw at anybody this year. So if I'm him, I'm a little worked up too. He starts walking to first base. He gets to first base. He's starting to chill out. Everything's starting to go back to normal. Then the Astros hitting coach, uh, what's his name? Uh, Alex... Alex, uh, hang on, I can, Alex Centron, that's his name. He's the Astros hitting coach. This man's like 50-something years old. He's a major league baseball coach. He steps up on the top step of the dugout, starts trash-talking Loriano, then starts throwing his hands like, hey, come get me, come fight me. And then as Loriano charges the dugout after <laughs> to go swing on his ass, which, again, I would have done too. I wouldn't have made it as far as he did. Um, then a bunch of Astros players just tackled Oriano and they wouldn't let the coach swing on him and vice versa. And, uh, the coach kind of backed up like, Oh, well now that he's charging at me, I'm going to back up a little bit. So 
he's a bitch. Loriano got a six-game suspension. Pentron got a 20-game suspension. And I wish to God that Pentron would have gotten at least a, I don't know, lifetime ban. That would have been all right with me. Every A lot of people on the Houston Astros need to receive a lifetime ban. And, you know, I was going to say this for um, the final thoughts, but you know how I'm a part-time Houston Astros fan? Yeah. Based on the events that happened Sunday and the events that happened on Twitter today with a um, burner account that I am not fully affiliated with, as in I run it, but I am loosely affiliated with it, as in I have partial ownership of it. And I, the account got into a little bit of a beef with Houston Astros fans today. So I would like to officially announce my resignation as a part-time Astros fan. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I've, I haven't been a big fan of the Astros since I found out they cheated. So I have been pretty against all of them. And every time I see one of them get hit with a pitch, I just kind of laugh. Yeah, now I will say there are still people on the Astros that I like. For example, manager Dusty Baker, because he had nothing to do with any of this. He's just literally trying to fix it and control it. He has nothing to do with this. Yeah. Pitcher Justin Verlander, who is the luckiest man in the world, uh, and a great guy and a great pitcher. Um, Pitcher Zach Greinke, who also had nothing to do with it. Great guy, great pitcher. Pitcher Lance McCullers, who had nothing to do with it. Great guy, great pitcher. And Alex Bregman, who did have something to do with it, but he's also – he actually came out and said he was sorry – He's taken his lumps, he's taken his hits, and he hasn't said a word. Every time he gets hit, he just puts his bat down, takes his elbow guard off, and walks to first base and doesn't say a word. And that I can respect that. Like, you screwed up. You said Alex Bregman is on record saying that his favorite thing about baseball is that it, that, is that it polices itself. And he's taken his medicine, and I respect that. But there's, like, Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve – I'm out. Houston Astro fans, I'm out. Houston Astros as a whole, I'm out. So I am officially announcing my resignation from that position, and I have become a – I mean, I've always been a part-time Oakland Athletics fan, but all of my energy that was concentrated on the Astros all this time uh, is now going to be going to the Oakland Athletics. So congratulations to Dallas Braden. Uh, let's see. Zach Plezak of the Houston Indians got sent home after violating MLB protocols for going downtown Cleveland after the game in Chicago Sunday night. He was then sent home in a rental car back to Cleveland <laughs> to quarantine. They said, no, 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 you can't fly back. We're not going to get you a plane. You're going to make the five hour drive back to Cleveland in a shitty rental car. <laughs> And they got the worst rental car they could possibly get. Now, when all this came out on Sunday night, um, Mike Clevenger, another pitcher for the Indians, defended Zach Plezak in team meetings and stood up for him and all that. And he flew back with the team Sunday night. Turns out Mike Clevenger was out there with him too. Didn't say a word about it. So... Yeah, if I was their teammates, I wouldn't be so pissed at Plezak because he 
again, took his medicine, apologized, and moved on. But Clevenger, yeah. I'd be pretty pissed at him. If he wasn't so good, I probably probably wouldn't want to be his teammate anymore, but he's pretty good. So, you know, you let some stuff slide when you're really good. Let's see. The Cardinals still haven't played. They've only played five games. <laughs> yeah, they uh, – I don't know, man. But it's – they won't be right now. It's just kind of wild. Oh, it makes no sense. It's been a shit show. Well, I mean, sort of. They, I will give the MLB credit. They really did handle the Marlins situation pretty well. Because the Marlins are back on track. Everything's rolling again. And I think it was a learning experience for the whole league. And everybody kind of moved on. But whatever's going on with the Cardinals right now, something is just clearly not working. And the fact that as of now, they have their games canceled until Friday. As of right now, the earliest they'll be back is Friday night. And... That will be 15 consecutive postponements for them, and they will have 46 days to play 55 games. Yeah, I know. That's this insane. There's no way. Because you know what you have to do to make up a to make up a game. You know what you have to have. <laughs> Players. Well, that, and you also have to have another team. Another so team play. Yeah, so if they're make, doing all these double headers and stuff. That's going to punish another team. Yeah, I know. Another team's going to be out there sweating their ass off when they're, like, way deeper in the season than they are. And, you know, I'm still kind of pissed at the Cardinals for what happened in the Divisional Series last year and all the trash talk that went down on Twitter and at uh, YP of Barstool. I'm pretty pissed at all those people still. So, you know what? Get out of the league, Cardinals. You're out this year. Get out. Uh, Let's see. Marcakis, who we talked about last week, dropped a walk-off dick slap shot in his first game back. Yeah, I saw that. That was incredible. I loved it. What a move. What a human. God, I love Nick Marcakis. He's really not that great. Like, he just just plays the game the right way. He just does everything the right way, and it's just so easy to be a fan of him, even if you don't pay attention to baseball that much. You're going to love this part. Giancarlo Stanton strained his hamstring again. He's on the DL again. Good. <laughs> like, wow. I look like, I think, didn't I go, no, did I go on a long rant about Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton? Or John, both? I think it was John Carlos Stanton. Man, don't I look like a genius right now? <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I, it makes me angry. It makes me so angry. Here's another rule that I'm just going to go ahead and establish on this podcast is we are always going to call it, call each other out or call ourselves out when we have a bad take. Agreed? Yeah. But I'm also going to dance on everyone's graves when I have a good take, and I expect you to do the same thing. Yeah. If Penn State makes the playoffs this year, you can have a whole episode to dance on everyone's graves. Well, actually, (laughs) Penn State doesn't technically matter at the moment, but I don't know. They'll figure it out. Penn State will figure it out. They've got Joe Patel. They had Joe Paterno. Oh, yeah, I don't know. But they didn't want him anymore. And he died. Okay, moving on. (laughs) Mike Trout is on pace to hit 25 home runs in a 60-game season. So, Mike Trout just doing Mike Trout things. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he did it. Marcus Stroman opts out. Funny part was, let's see, that's – 
like a thousand players to opt out of the Mets now because they're all just like, ah, this is pointless. I'm going to go home. Uh, but Marcus Stroman actually played just enough time to get the service time he needed to hit free agency a little earlier or something. So a lot of Mets fans were mad at him about that. Basically, last year when the Mets traded for Marcus Stroman, they gave up gave up quite a good bit of their farm system for literally a half a season because he hasn't played at all this year to finish third place in the NL East. And they mortgaged their future for that. So shout out to the Mets on continuing to be the Mets. Yeah, you really can't expect any, much of anything from a New York-based uh, professional sports team. That's not the Yankees or... Yeah, the Yankees. Or yeah, that's the Yankees. it. That's really it. Damn, that's just... That blows... I, catches me every time. The, the, every time I hear somebody say that, I'm just like, wait, there has to be a... The Yankees. Nope. There's not. <laughs> um, that's it. So my Snapchat streak this morning... Uh, I think I think it was my streak anyway. So yesterday I did 20 parlays in baseball, which some of you know that that is betting. And you would think if you have 20 parlays, you would hit at least one of them. But I did not hit a single one of them. I lost all of them. So that just really put me in a pissed off mood to start the day because if I can't hit one out of 20 parlays, I'm really doing something wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Oh, the MLB is discussing the possibility of playing the postseason in a bubble. So, real, real quick, if if we couldn't play the or do the regular season in a bubble, how how are we going to do the postseason in a bubble? Hmm. Like, how how is it okay for that? But it's not okay for the regular season. So we're just okay with that now when we made a big stink about, ooh, we can't be in a bubble, but ooh, now we can because now it involves postseason TV deal money that if there's a huge outbreak in the postseason, we could lose all these millions of dollars that we scanned our way into getting. So, yeah, funny how that works. Man, I don't know. Sports are so messed up right now when it comes to anything to do with Anything of logic. Do you, are you starting to understand why I've been so angry all day and why I texted you this morning and said my blood pressure was ridiculously high because of how much stuff I'm angry about? Yeah. I'm glad you understand. Because not <laughs> many people did. Let's see. Let's move on to the NBA. Or pretending we know what we're talking about about the NBA, but I actually can speak on some of these subjects. Draymond Green got fined $50,000 for suggesting on Twitter that Devin Booker should force his way out of Phoenix, which is a violation of the anti-tampering rule. I thought that was hilarious. It was. It really was. And it's Draymond Green, so it's just kind of like, well, I mean. It is Draymond. What do you expect? Do you expect Were you surprised? Yeah, do you expect moderately good behavior from him? Yeah, that that man is something else. And then after he got fined $50,000... He went on Twitter and just put like eight like crying laughing emoticons and everybody was just like, okay. I mean, clearly that did nothing. Yeah, for real. <laughs> clearly he thinks that's funny. And it is funny. 
so you remember when we were talking about the Knicks head coaching search and we talked about how Mike Woodson is a former head coach of the Knicks and they interviewed him and all that good stuff? Yeah. Well, now they're considering him for an assistant coach position since they hired Tom Thibodeau to be their head coach. So I really would love to know, how does it feel to be fired from the Knicks and then they're like, you know what, we'll consider bringing you back for your old position as head coach. And then no, they're like, nah. we're actually not going to do that. But, hey, you want to come back and be the bitch on the coaching staff? You want to do that? Sounds great. You want to be the bitch coach for the Knicks? If I was Mike Woodson, I'd be like, nah, I'm all right. Like, I just – I don't coach basketball anymore. I coach recreation league soccer. Yeah. Like, that would just – that would dead-ass just make me quit coaching. I would never coach anyone ever again if that happened to me. Here's something that's interesting that I think you will probably know a little something about. So if Alvin Gentry is not retained as head coach by the Pelicans, it has been reported that Ty Lue and Jason Kidd would be their top choices. And I've always wondered why did Ty Lue ever get kicked out of Cleveland? Because I thought he was a pretty solid head coach from what I was told. Because LeBron was the one who was making all the calls and Ty Lue just still on the sidelines and just existed. And then whenever LeBron bluffed everybody was like, wow, he's not that good. Hmm. Valid. So do you think he would do good? I mean, the Pelicans are kind of a young super team from what I've been told. So do you think he would do good in a situation like that? Or do you think from what you know, is he a trash coach? I don't know. I feel like he's pretty trash. I feel like Jason Kidd would probably be a better choice than Tyloo. I mean, Jason Kidd also would be able to relate more to like the younger kids and who are extremely talented, you know, help them grow because I feel like Tyloo really can't do that. Wasn't Ty Lue the player that got stepped over by AI in that famous yeah, it was. game? That's funny. And if I played for him, I'd just be like, hey, remember the time that happened? That's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, let's move on to golf. Uh, please tell me you saw the, the video of Justin Thomas on Sunday. Yeah, like, where he said, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, he missed a putt in the PGA Championship on Sunday, and they had just put the camera on him. And it was a hot mic, which a lot of golfers have come out and said they're not okay with, but they get forced to do it anyway. And he said, are you fucking kidding me when he missed the putt? Which, first of all, that means he he's one of us. Yeah. He is one of us. But I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying like, oh, don't you understand that kids watch this? And to me, that is a horrible take because that is on ESPN, the network that had for it. For them to have him. Yeah, it was. It's a hot mic, and you don't have at least a five second delay to bleep it out. Like, are you kidding me? That's you. That's on ESPN. That is not on Justin Thomas. I'm. Yeah, you're I, playing golf. All, you're playing a sport. Like you're gonna cuss. You're an adult. First of all, I would pay good money to have an opportunity to watch the NFL, the MLB, and even golf with all the players mic'd up and I could just like log into something and pay for it and just listen to an explicit version of all the players talking, like all of them just talking normally. I'd you know, love that. You know, some of them would just be astronomically ridiculous with how much they would cuss and some of them would just be like saints. Philip Rivers. Yeah. He would mother like, freaker. Like dang flabbit. <laughs> I love Philip Rivers. I hear it. Something, some kind of animal is making a really weird noise behind me, and it's 
kind of freaking me out a little bit. But uh, so on Sunday at the PGA Championship, Colin Morikawa won. That's pretty impressive. I think he's 23 years old and he just won his first major. And from what I've been told, it sounds like he was he he didn't even show the slightest bit of jubilation after. Uh, after he won on Sunday from what, again, from what I've been told, cause I'm not paying for ESPN plus, but um, that's kind of crazy for a 23 year old to win a major golf tournament, his first one ever. And just be like, yeah, whatever, who cares? Yeah. I, for real. I was supposed to win that. Like that's some tiger Woods shit. Yeah, it really is. That's, that's scary. So um, let's jump into NASCAR. We have quite a few things to talk about in NASCAR. I think this will be a pretty entertaining conversation. Uh, let's start it off with, you already know, my boy Kevin Harvick did a weekend sweep at Michigan, and on Sunday, he fended off Denny Hamlin, and who, you know, of course, finished second behind the boy, Kevin Harvick, but it was yet another round of Kevin Harvick versus Denny Hamlin, and it was so fun to watch. Kevin, man, back-to-back. Can't that stop dude him. is sick. Like, that car that he raced in this weekend that bush light apple car which is a stud of a car i might add is now three for three three yeah, races it's raced in three wins that's incredible and then their team has the arrogance like rodney childers his crew chief came out after that and they were like so will we ever see the car again and he was like i don't know maybe not we don't have to have it it's like oh okay so y'all are just okay <laughs> good oh, okay yeah uh let's see yeah so, did you watch any of the races this weekend? Yeah, I did. I watched the one Sunday. Okay, good. So, are you familiar with the choose cone? Where the what? It, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't like that. First of all, so for people who don't know, the choose cone is before every restart, each car has to go on either side of this cone to signify whether they want the top or the bottom. And that's truly what decides the positions rather than the race off the pit road or whatever. Um, I mean, it's, it's like Dale jr said, it's interesting because it adds an extra bit of strategy to the race. And I hope, I hope that's a thing on NASCAR heat six, by the way, yeah. uh, that would make that game a lot more interesting, which we'll get into that game or, We'll get into NASCAR heat here shortly. But overall, to me, it was just like, you're trying too hard. <laughs> you're trying yeah, exactly. too hard, NASCAR. Uh, so I I don't know. I think it's – I don't know if that was just a thing for this weekend or if that's a thing going forward. But all the drivers enjoyed it. They loved it. And – I don't know. I mean, I guess when you think about it, it made the end of the race a little bit more interesting because it kind of gave gave Chase Elliott a chance to get up front. Um, and to run on the bottom at Michigan is pretty tough. So, I don't know. It, I, to me, it's it's just going to be a track-by-track track thing. Like this weekend when they're going to be at the Daytona Roval, it, that's not going to matter. It's not going to make the slightest bit of a difference. Yeah, I know. Road courses are dumb. But – uh, Austin Dillon got in uh, eighth place on Sunday. I think he had a top ten finish on Saturday as well, but I'm not sure. But I kind of think I'm becoming an Austin Dillon, like a part-time Austin Dillon fan. I kind of like him now. And I've talked some shit about him, so I'm backtracking. But I kind of like him. He's growing. I don't know. 
we'll see what happens with him. It's hard to predict that. Yeah, my my favorite part about Austin Dillon is uh is after he won at Texas, he tweeted and said, "Not bad for a silver spoon kid." And when he did that, I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> that's that's when I was kind of like, "All right, I dig this dude. He's got some cool ass cars. He drives the number three, and he's kind of a dick." Okay, okay. I'm kind of he's growing on me, and then he just keep doing more or keep keeps doing more stuff to grow on me. But let's get into what I'm assuming will be most of our listeners' least favorite segment or discussion in this podcast. Let's talk about Bubba Wallace. He's been doing good, man. He's been running. Yeah, he uh, yeah he had a his career-high fourth top ten finish this season on Saturday. He's been doing pretty good, and you have to remember that Richard Petty Racing is not on the level of – it's not a top ten car. That was Bubba Wallace and his crew chief doing their thing to get in those top ten finishes. And he's been – like I'd, I'd love to know how many top 20 finishes he's had this year because he's he's always been towards the top other than a few races here and there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he, he said that he has an offer to drive the number 42 car for Chip Canassi Racing next year. Uh, he also came out and said that he's owned a share of the Richard Petty Racing since 2019. So if he, it, so if he leaves Richard Petty Racing, does he still have a share of the team? I mean, I'd assume so. I mean, it's not just going to go away. I mean, that would be wild to be like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a part owner in that car, but I drive for Hendrick now, which I, I'm, I have a thousand percent convinced myself that he'll be in the 48 car next year. If not, yeah. like, if you would ask me, would I rather drive the number 42 car for Chip Ganassi, who Matt Kenseth and Kyle Larson have made that car look pretty good for a good little while now. Yeah, or drive for Richard Petty. Yeah, give me Chip Ganassi. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to say. I mean, I feel like that. I feel like I don't know. Honestly, with him, I, he should stay. I would, I would just keep running forty three, but I don't know. Nah, if I was him, I'm getting the hell out of that mug because, like you said, like you have been on record multiple times of saying, he's a stud. He's a good yeah. driver, and I would love to see what he could do in a Hendrick car. Yeah, if he got a good car, it would be very interesting. And Hendrick, Hendrick kind of leaves a little bit to be desired since I yeah, started watching. Like, William Byron has not been very good. Alex Bowman has been god-awful. Yeah, he has been. And Chase Elliott's been, as I hate to say this, but Chase Elliott's been inconsistent at best, which Chase Elliott did I will bring up this Chase Elliott said yesterday that he's struggling even after three straight top 10 finishes yeah I know I'd love to be that good to just be like yeah I've had three straight top 10 finishes but you know what I've really been struggling lately like oh okay yeah I know that's pretty good but um yeah so this is we're gonna get into the mud a little bit here um so, you know how Christopher Bell drives the number 95 car for Levine Family Racing, right? Yeah. 
So Levine Family Racing last week announced that they're selling their team. And then today, yeah, I think it was today, maybe yesterday, it was announced that Spire Motorsports, who owns the number 77 car, driven currently driven by Reed Sorensen, um, they bought LFR, and they will be a two-car team with the 77 and 95 next season. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I it guess. will be. I mean, I saw some stuff today that um, uh, yeah, I don't I didn't save it, but it was it was kind of scary. It was talking about how Rick Ware basically runs nine cars and just nobody knows it. So apparently somebody dug up all the trademark stuff and they figured out like Rick Ware owns nine cars and that's terrifying. I, I, I mean, they're all trash, but yeah, that could, that could change apparently in 2022 with the, the next generation car. But uh, yeah. And so last week it was also announced that Eric Jones would be leaving Joe Gibbs racing and the number 20 car. And as I correctly predicted on Twitter, Christopher Bell will be taking over the number 20 car, which I think is sick. That is awesome. I love Christopher Bell. That is the literally one of two Toyota drivers in the whole entire three levels of NASCAR that I can cheer for. So I'm excited. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a good season. Oh, who you think is going to take over for Jimmy? What's your honest take? I don't know. I feel like Boa had a pretty good chance. Can you think of any other names? Like uh, I would, I think it has to be somebody that's in there right now. I mean, Kevin Harvard's definitely not. Oh, he's he ain't going nowhere. Daniel won't either. I mean. I mean, and it has maybe, to be somebody who's... Maybe Austin Dillon? I don't know. I think he's under contract for next season. Plus, Richard Childress is also his granddaddy, so he ain't going nowhere. Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere. Plus, why the hell would you get out of the number three car? That's a privilege. I'd say it's probably not going to be Kyle Larson. <laughs> well, let me uh, let me read you a little something while we're on the subject of Kyle Larson. Do you know how Kyle Larson's been driving in dirt tracks all all this year? Yeah. So Kyle Larson's last 37 dirt track finishes since May 30th. He races dirt tracks like three races a week. It's pretty crazy. But um, I'm not going to read out all of his 37 finishes. But he, in 37 races, he's won 23 of them. And his average finish is 1.8. That's pretty good. He's probably the best racer in America right now. He's got a vengeance. And listen, do I approve of what Kyle Larson did? Absolutely not. It was terrible. Yeah. That was a big mistake. But I'm all for second chances if you pay your dues. And he's he's truly paying his dues by just going – like he's starting his career over. He's went back to dirt track. He's dominated there. He's done sensitivity training for the dirt track series and for NASCAR. If I if I'm Hendrick, I think I give him a look. 
for the 48 car. I do. I don't, I'm not saying I would go with him, but I would really think about it because he is a, he is just so talented, man. And if he, if he pays his dues and he's apologized for it over and over again, I just don't see how you could just be like, yeah, he should never ever be in NASCAR again. Like, I mean, that's not it's hard. Road. Like, a lot of people have made mistakes, and if you do the right things and you learn from your mistakes, I don't see why you shouldn't get a second chance. And it may not be with Hendrick. It may not be with a good team at all. It may be with, like, Spire Motorsports and drive the number 77 car and finish in th- between 33rd and 40th every race. But I think he should get a chance next season regardless. Um, so, yeah, Kevin Harvick – um, according to certain statistics, is likely to be on the pole this weekend at the Daytona Roval. And he said that's really interesting because that leads me to believe that I'll lead us into turn one not knowing where the hell to go because no one has ever raced on the Daytona Roval before and they will not be practicing or qualifying on the track. So when they go to race on Sunday, they're just going to be like, where do we go? Yeah, no. There's going to be, be so many wrecks. <laughs> <laughs> so many wrecks, man. That, that's so dumb. But whatever. Did you know that there's windshield wipers on road course cars? Yeah, I saw that about uh the what was it the I can't remember the Nationwide Series, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have like put water tires on and windshield wipers. Apparently, like the water tires are only a thing in that for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know what the hell water tires or rain tires, whatever you want to call them. I don't, I don't know what those are. And I, they were literally racing and pouring down rain on the road course, which to me seems significantly more dangerous than yeah, racing in the rain on an oval. But you know what? Do you NASCAR? I probably won't watch it this weekend ever anyway, because I don't give a shit about road courses. But then again, I say that now and I'm probably going to watch them anyway. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to pick a course that's never been raced in NASCAR history. I'm not going to make picks. I don't give a shit. I just don't yeah, care. You have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, sure, Jimmy Johnson's going to win. You happy? Uh, <laughs> yes. Let's see. Do you have a weird sports stat of the week by chance? Weird sports stat? Or fact or whatever. Um. Let's think. I saw something earlier, actually. Well, I'll read mine real oh, quick. Oh, go this, ahead if you have one. Five years ago today, Cam Newton beat up Josh Norman at practice. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> five years ago today. Two of the biggest assholes in the NFL. <laughs> and Cam Newton smiled the entire time he did it. I want like, that to also be known. What a psychopath. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Josh Norman, so I love that. I hate Cam Newton, so we're fair. We're even, I guess. Um, well, I, really, I hate them both. I don't like either of them. But uh, let's see. On August 9th, 1946, all eight MLB games were played at night. All eight MLB games, all eight were played at night In for the first time. I guess they just got lights. Well, when I saw that, my question was, there was electricity back then? It's a little surprising they had, they had the capabilities of doing all those lights. 
like that back then. I feel like that just wouldn't have been something they were just like, no. Yeah. Um, another fact. Uh, you know who Peter Nelson is? Yeah, he got fired from HBO. The suit. Yeah. Suit man. You know? It's pretty great. He, Long time coming. He tried to ruin Barstool. He did ruin Caller Daddy, which I don't care about that show, but that's it, funny. It made me a lot of money nonetheless. Um, but I'll tell you what, similar to the boy Dave Portnoy, I have been popping some bottles, and it's been such a great feeling. And Penn, Penstock had a a good day today. Uh, so I'm going to say something nice about a team that I hate. And I feel like it would only be appropriate if I made it about the Astros. So you ready for this? Yeah. The Astros won a piece of metal in 2017. <laughs> By okay. cheating. Um, the Falcons blew. Ah, sorry. The Falcons had a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl. That's messed up. They had it, though. It existed. You know... Yeah, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be very unhappy with that. That's fine. Oh, I, I, I love it because I, I don't <laughs> I don't like the Falcons either. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess let's jump into final thoughts. Uh, have one more announcement to make. I would officially like to announce my campaign on Twitter to get Darren Ravel to block me. I can't stand Darren Ravel, and I'm so tired of seeing his tweets, but I don't want to give him the satisfaction of me blocking him, so I would rather him give me the satisfaction of him blocking me. So I'm officially announcing my campaign. We have gotten past the exploratory committee point of this campaign, and we are launching a full campaign to get Darren Ravel to block me, and I will talk about this and give updates on it every single week until it happens. Well, good luck. I'm going to start every single day by tweeting from the Talking Sports Shop's Twitter, which is at Talking S Shop. I will tweet every single morning saying today is a great day for at Darren Ravel to block me on Twitter. I will do that every single day until he blocks me on Twitter. Well, we shall see. It's going to happen. But then again, he's such a little shit that he'll probably enjoy just getting the mentions. He'll, he probably j- just gets off on getting the mentions, which is why he tweets so much bullshit. It's just to get responses. That's why I never, I try to never quote tweet him or reply to anything that he tweets or like or retweet or anything. Just give him no attention other than just tweeting him every single morning saying that I would like for him to block me. Do you have any final thoughts, Mr. John? Yeah, Mike Bobo's the dumbass. Again? Mark Rick's a good guy. Yep. I want to reiterate that as many times as I can. I like like Mark Rick. I don't like Mike Bobo. So, I reckon we'll end it on that. We've gone 84 minutes. That's got to be a new record for us. But we had a lot of shit to talk about today. Um, There are two two more things I'd like to say. Please follow... The Twitter account at Talking S Shop, where I will be. You can catch me talking shit on Twitter all day, every day. And if you're listening on Apple, please 
rate and review the podcast. That's what helps it grow. And also, if you enjoy it, tell a friend because, again, that's what makes it grow. So, I guess we'll end it on that note. Love you guys. All right, now.